They should make artesian morphers. Ooh. Made from like whole grains and organic flour. How about Ar- Venetian? How about Venetian mm. morphers? Artesian. Where they, no, Venetian morphers where they have like little slats that turn up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep cats away from them because they will fuck You know, them I, well, I wouldn't be surprised if I could, if uh, the, uh, if Actually, if I still had my brother's old uh, gold Zeonizer, I wouldn't be surprised if I could still put the thing on. Well, of course you could. <laughs> You're built like a Japanese 12-year-old. Oh, that's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> that's, a ve- that's a very shallow pelvic floor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to approach that one. From behind, sometimes. <laughs> <sighs> And in this episode, we sexually harass Fort Max. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> See, this is why I restarted the call so I could have my recorder with the timer running. Otherwise, I wouldn't know where to put this. <laughs> Let's say, I think it's, I think on Windows system, it's called Recycle Bin. <laughs> Podcasts, The Final Frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission? Explore old episodes of Star Trek. Alienate even more listeners. And boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents... That one episode of Star Trek. With Chris. A code of honor protects one captain like a magic cloak. Hey, Mickey. I heard you breathe fire. I have eyes as black as coal. Scott. It's not like he was like, ooba I love fried chicken or anything. I mean. And Fort Max. Husky. It could maybe even be something entertaining, but that's not very likely. No, that's that's a one in a hundred chance, especially right now because it's time for that one episode of Star Trek. Oh shit! Well, that's as good a place to lead in as any, right? Yeah, yeah, it works. So before we actually start talking about the show tonight, I want to tell you about something I got this week. What is it? Got syphilis? This week? Uh, not that I know of, Scott, but I'll let you know. Herpes? I'll let you know how the tests come out. So I uh, actually got the um, initial, like, story bible and uh, plot outline summary document for Star Trek Voyager from 1994. Oh, why? I'm sorry. Because it was $5. Wait, did, they, did you pay someone or did someone pay you $5 to take it? No, I paid $5 to take it. Okay. Is this like a printed material or like just some like fan thing? No, this is a, it's a printed material. This is uh, I got it from um, Christy Marks was auctioning it. Mm-hmm. Christy Marks is a writer for those who don't know. Um, oh, okay. Uh, she had it on eBay. I bid on it, and nobody else did because it, you know it's a Star Trek Voyager thing, and you know who's going to pay money for that besides me? So what it I, is? What I can't tell if this was a bigger waste of money. Which is a bigger waste of money? Your $5 for the Voyager story Bible or the 50 cents for the Beast Wars PC game? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I spent more money, so just on that basis, mine would have to be a bigger waste of money. Um, so what it is, it's uh, like 
a it's a 36 page version of caretaker which is basically Little. just the story beats without any of the like specifics <laughs> in it and then we'll fill um, that in later right guys <laughs> no they'll actually take away from it <laughs> um and then the rest of it is like uh character bio information which the interesting part is Tuvok who in the original uh original format was supposed to be like a 60 year old man like he was 150 as a Vulcan and that was going to be portrayed by a 60 year old and he was going to be like a grandfather character to the crew mm, we sure daddy. we that... sure saw that in the show didn't we yeah instead he was just a stuck up jerk nobody liked <laughs> I can't imagine why UPN didn't want to have an old man on their show <laughs> Old man Vulcan at that, too. Honestly, I don't think that was a good idea. That's probably smart that cut that. Quite possibly, but they could have at least like replaced it with some other character element for him. Yeah, but Grandpa Vulcan <laughs> sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, they barely got away with Hot Vulcan in, uh, in Enterprise. Well, if they would have given her a personality, that might have worked better, too. She had a personality. It was called Hot. Oh, this explains Hot, so much of your life, Scott. Bitch. <laughs> Look, now, now I'm just uh, now I'm just imagining a Vulcan version of McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> and it is wonderful. Live long and go fuck yourself. <laughs> a Vulcan version of Dr. Pulaski. <laughs> infinite bullshit and infinite combinations. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Infinite bullshit is, uh, I think, the giant version of uh, Vulcan McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> well played uh, good stuff but yeah I mean like there wasn't a whole lot to choose from from what she was auctioning there was an encounter at Farpoint script but that had other bid activity and had like rather higher shipping because it had to go in a box instead of an envelope because it was so big 120 page script um, good word yeah and, you know, I thought, you know, Star Trek Voyager early story Bible thing, that's kind of a neat thing to have, even if it is Voyager. Oh, it is. It is. Plus, it, represents kind of a, a... it represents a time in Voyager from before we actually knew it was terrible. Right. <laughs> so, you know. We were still like, cool, female captain. Yeah, I didn't really I... care one way or the other about that. Oh, I thought it was about time. I was glad to see it. The other thing I imagine there were a lot of people who were, female captain. Oh, I'm sure there were. No. Just like yeah, there, well, oh, black captain who's not a captain. Right. <laughs> but then again, who cares what people like that think? <laughs> oh, that's right. That Discovery trailer came out since the last time we recorded, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, we should cover that yeah. first, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really into this anymore. Really? <laughs> okay, because I am. It's it's not doing anything to really grab me. Especially since it's going to be on a uh, subscription service. Well, I never cared about that because I'll just pirate it either way. I don't actually watch TV on TV in like the last three years. Okay, well, I think it showed me everything I wanted to see. Of Yes, they are making a show. Yes, it looks nice. Um, I'm on board until they screw it up. I, okay, like, so, it's not okay. like I'm not going to watch... I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to not watch it and give it a chance, but the trailer is not doing anything for me. Well, first of all, it's not a trailer. It's a teaser. Yeah. Look, these days, everything's a trailer. Your mom, total trailer. No, she's a teaser. 
She never really follows through. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, okay. All right, I got some issues. First of all, the, the old Vulcan that was there, that was Sarek, who was talking to her like she was his daughter, which would make her half Vulcan. So Sarek had yet another illegitimate child with another human woman who was apparently African-American or black. Maybe she's adopted. Well, she's half Vulcan. She can still be adopted. Maybe it's a niece. It could be. I mean, and, and that's fine. I mean, I don't. It's just weird. Like, like they had to pick Sarek of all people. It's like of all the trillions of sentients, they had to pick Sarek again. God damn it! Look, there's only five Vulcans. Also, have Vulcan on on Star Look, Trek. I, I'm, I'm just imagining Sarek is uh, banged as many uh, space women as Kirk has. Yeah, what if Sarek's just a slut? Yeah, like Sarek could just be the Vulcan Zeus. <laughs> he had sex with a goose. <laughs> no, no, he he took the form of a goose to have sex with someone else. To Paul sprang in the shape of a form of ladder. Like... Yeah. To Paul sprang from his forehead, fully clothed and armored. <laughs> well, somewhat clothed. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it could be interesting. I, I kind of wish they didn't have to fall back and they go, oh, a Hefulkin learning about their humanity. It's like, come on, Spot did that for, like, fucking 40 years. Okay, I watched the trailer, like, twice, and I don't even remember seeing a Hefulkin in it. Yeah, maybe the main... I was, maybe I blinked? No, no, the the main girl, the, uh, the... I don't know if she's African-American or black, I don't know, in Star Trek, what do we say? Uh, you know, the, the black girl, she she was Hefulkin. Is she? Is she? Yeah, Sarah was... Yes, Sarek was talking about how like disappointed he was. You'll never learn Vulcan because you're half human tongue or something. I mean, he goes into it. You can see her ears are kind of pointy. Are they? I thought she was I'm just a human who was trying to, you know, culturally appropriate Vulcan. Yeah, that's kind of no. what I was getting from it too. I didn't, yeah, I, she didn't sure read as Vulcan to me. I, like my impression was that she was a human who went to like study on Vulcan and like you know, started to embrace the culture, and then Sarek was like, no, you're a human, you're always going to be inferior to us because, you know, the future. Well, here's something fun. What if she is a half-Vulcan, but she's choosing to embrace her human side? That'd be and that's pissing Sarek off. Well, yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, so That's something interesting I'd like to see. Yeah. Okay, so now fans are questioning whether Burnham, too, is half-human, half-Vulcan, whose mother is either Grayson or perhaps an entirely different human woman. But thing is, she's also giving like the live long and, and prosper symbol, like in the in the photos and stuff. She talks like a Vulcan. She's very you know non emotional when she speaks. I, I think she's half Vulcan. Okay, mm. well, party. You look at her ears. Look at the trailer. Look at her ears again. They're pointy. But anyway, so I mean, it's it's kind of cool they're doing that. On the other hand, it's like, well, they could do something else to do the whole human exploring thing. But yeah, well, she looks yeah, like we, she's we more already human know than they're not doing a lot of new things since they chose to set up ten years before Enterprise. We should be expecting to see all the same stuff again. Well, you know, if it were Tellarites and Andorians, I'd actually be far more okay with that. But that's not that's not the reason why they set it ten years before the original series. They did that because they're trying to redo re homage the original series. 50-year anniversary was the original plan. So they're trying to stick close to that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have a, problems with it. It's a thematic choice to try and revisit all these old ideas again, I think, in a new way. Yeah. But... You know what they should have done instead? Do a the future? Series, yes. No, do a series set contemporary to Star Trek The Motion Picture. Because then you can have stuff that doesn't have to look like the original series prop and set design. Mm 
but you can not have it be constrained by the other stories set after it so much because it's just a string of movies and only look at one little teeny tiny part of what's going on in the universe. Yeah, I mean, I, I still daydream of having a uh, Excelsior era TV show like Captain Sulu and stuff. I know he's a little too old for that now, but like that, that era with the blue screens and the Excelsior and the Enterprise B, I would love that. The red uniforms. Yeah, give me a red uniform Starfleet series. Oh, love it. So I'd rather have the Enterprise C era. No, that would make Don happy, and we can't have that. <laughs> oh, they never mentioned the Enterprise C at all. Oh, era. It, okay. it disappeared. Okay. okay. Yeah. Could it be? Could it still be an ambassador class that's the Ron? No, that would no. make Don happy. No, it'd be an Oberth. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Have that be when it's the Excelsior series, and it's just this crew on this, like, you know, old ship that's not really good for anything, even though they keep, like, 80,000 of them in service still. Yeah, they do. Have it be the show about this crew that just has to run people up and back between star bases. (laughs) Star Trek Taxi. (laughs) Star Trek Uber. the show is not looking like Enterprise or the original series era. No. Which irritates me a little bit. By the other hand, like, perhaps it's time we should just let that go because that shit looks dumb. Well, my concern, It does not make though, any is... sense for the future to look like that anymore. True. And my concern, though, is it looks like a watered-down version of, like, the movie's visual design. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little too Kelvin timeline looking. Well, is that a bad thing, really? I mean, that's it, sharp design. It well, looks futuristic. What, what I have the problem I have with it, it doesn't look like Star Trek. It looks like sci-fi, but it looks very generic. I, from yeah. the screenshots, it's hard for me to determine, oh, that's clearly Star Trek. It, doesn't it looks look more like, like Galaxy Trek. Quest like, than Star Trek. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, like any other spaceship-based sci-fi. Well, at least it doesn't look like um, Andromeda. Okay, so, <laughs> well, uh, how could you modernize... The, how Star Trek looks in your head to something that actually looks like the future of human technology and see, have I it still look like Star Trek. See, I still think TNG does a, a decent job of that. When I look at the bridge of the Enterprise D with the L cars and the curves and because and, it looks slick, it looks modern, but it looks comfortable at the same time. I think that's a nice balance. I think they could take that aesthetic and expand it and maybe tweak it a little. Um, I think that would work. I would just retcon it so that the, say, Star Trek three era bridge design is what the technology in you know 2265 looked like like it just yeah, looked like I'm that all that. along because that still looks yeah. adequately futuristic it still fits in with the timeline but it doesn't look like it you know came out of the 60s because it didn't yeah actually i'd be okay with that too right kind of just a little bit you know I mean, it, it's there's some a... give or take yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a huge jump between like TOS and even the first movie. I oh, mean, yeah. it was right. a world of difference. Yeah, I uh, think it took them a couple movies to kind of really get locked into what worked with their production design in terms of uh, what Starfleet technology looked like. So, you know, take it a little bit from the middle, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. Otherwise, you you know end up looking like your pre-Enterprise ship is on the Excelsior Bridge, and that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and the thing I don't like about the Discovery, uh, so for at least not, because it's, it's not they're not all the shots we've seen isn't on the Discovery itself. It's on the Shenzhou or something like that. Yeah, I was um, going to say you think now this is it set just shortly pre TOS or yes, ten years. ten years. Okay, so you think it looked a little more like uh, 
first pilot Enterprise. Uh, yeah, it needs the, 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 it needs the little monitors on the goosenecks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, there's some things they could have done, but it's just it's wiser to just let that go. I, I agree. Like I mean, say the velour turtlenecks. Oh, but it would be fun to say as a fan, but that wouldn't be a smart idea to do in a TV show today. No. Although at the same time, I can kind of see how the the uniforms they have kind of take like loose inspiration from those turtlenecks. I, I do like how they sort of tend to lean towards the Enterprise uniforms, an evolution of them, the, the blue jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks a little bit more militaristic and much more like a uniform than like a uh, like a jumpsuit car with a, a flight. Yeah, like a flight suit. Because they look like flight suits in Enterprise. I was saying more clearly they looked at Valve, worked at Valvoline. <laughs> I was trying to be kind, but you're not wrong. <laughs> well, that's me to a T. Not kind and not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I know. I don't like how dark it is in there. It, it, it's very kind of depressing and submarine-y in a, in a negative way. Because even Enterprise was more well-lit. Submarine-y, yeah. like, say, uh, Wrath of Khan. I yeah, will say, I mean, first pilot it. Enterprise, especially the bridge, was kind of dark. A lot of shots do seem very, very dark, but then again, that's something they can correct in post that could be early footage. Yeah. Sure. But do you think they actually will, though? There's no telling. I mean, there's no telling how quickly they've rushed this out, how complete this footage actually is. I mean, maybe this is, look at movie trailers, how much they evolve before the movie comes out. Maybe this is yeah. the sum total of everything they've shot so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much Either that or this is like everything. that one uh, theatrical preview of uh, the Gold Gavin TV show that has uh, a lot of shots without any of the post effects added in. So the Baku space is in broad daylight. Or it's like the um, the decade movie finale teaser at the end of decade the series where it has absolutely nothing to do with what actually happens. <laughs> right now, I'm optimistic. I know most Trek people I've talked to think this looks like garbage. And then again, when Next Generation came out, most Trek fans were negative about it too. Oh, I, and we I see how say, that ended up. Yeah, I, mean, I can say I'm, I'm not hating it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm considering how... Uh, the third episode was? <laughs> but we see how Next Generation ended up. Uh, right. being the series that basically saved Star Trek from fading away. Yeah. And had some really great content. Because really it short. brought a bunch of new ideas to it. Like Planet Africa. It had a new look. It had, I mean, I think this show could be great really, games. really good. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, even though I've said this Several times before, I like the fact that it's a kind of a mini series where it's a cohesive story. It's not just it's not, for, it's not serial. It's that, a they already have the story. Excited about. It's going to bring a new type of storytelling to Star Trek that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, and we need that. I think pretty desperately. Yes. Yeah. As I'm Enterprise back. proved, um, that shit's old and tired. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to give it, you know, completely fair chance. It's just, like, this preview is not doing anything to particularly win me over so far. Hopefully okay. the show will be a lot better. That's all I'm saying. X so, XV, and this is a comparison I've heard other people say. Did you like Star Trek Beyond? Didn't watch it. You, you haven't seen Beyond? No. Oh. Uh, it, in my opinion, it's pretty good and definitely worth seeing. I think I think you might like it. 
I didn't watch In the Darkness either. Yeah, I liked that one, but a lot of people didn't. In um, the Darkness is garbage. It's hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. Beyond is fun. It's worth watching. Okay. Yeah. But so, but see, the point see, is, I people, will take I will take Hey Mickey's word on this. <laughs> And that's fine. But a lot of people were complaining about because I know I was uh, watching the trailers for Beyond. It looked like a stupid action movie, oh, and I was absolutely. gnashing at teeth and slamming the walls of my fists, going, "How can they do this to my Star Trek? They're just making it stupid and stupid. It's going to be the Transformers of Star Trek." But when the movie came out, it was so much better than the trailers made it out to be. So people are pointing to that, going, "Okay, don't judge this first fucking trailer's very first look at the new series based on that." Because as Mickey pointed out. It can change. Yeah, and that's and that's really all I'm saying. I'm I'm hopeful the series itself will be better than what it's showing me right now. I'm not writing it off based on this. Yeah, but nor are we, you know, putting all of our eggs in one basket and think, oh, it's gonna be the greatest thing ever. It, we well, just don't no. know. <laughs> yeah, so let's put some of our eggs in the other Star Trek basket and hope for that. Right, like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you want Star Trek content? You go to podcasts or YouTube. Excellent, was great, guys. Really. I do, man. It's awesome. Star Trek continues as fucking rad. Fuck oh, you. Not this again. <laughs> it's good stuff. I suggest you watch it. Uh, we suggest you watch the Power Rangers movie, and you flat out refused. I did not. That's how I you remember said, it. Nope. I'll Have never you seen see it? it ever. I never said that. That's, That's how it's I remember on my it. List. Look, I'll put words in your mouth and have them be true if I say it loudly enough. <laughs> as long <laughs> as it's just words this time, you know. <laughs> you don't like my cooking? feelings <laughs> are hurt. Oh. <laughs> Let's get on with the episode we actually did watch this week, which is the Paradise Syndrome, which was what season three, episode three. Yes, three I, have, three. I have a special surprise for you this week. Is it your test results? Uh, no, the syphilis thing is still out. Okay. No, I'm doing is the Lost summary. Joining us. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait. Say that again. Yeah, Mickey, what'd you say? No, XV, what did you say? No, what did Mickey say? I said, is Lost Orbit joining us this week? No, maybe next week. So I'm doing the summary this week. Woohoo! We have liftoff. Now no one interrupts him and throws him off. <laughs> How would you know? Besides every intro he's ever tried to do. <laughs> Damn okay, you all! Are, are you in complete silence? <laughs> what do I look like, Paladin? Oof. I know, right? Yeah, that's how you know your podcasts are very good, is when you give the audience plenty of time to absorb and digest the incredible wisdom you just laid out for about five to ten minutes of science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And then you come back like an NPR interview. It's like, so, is everyone caught up? Okay, moving on. <laughs> up next is jazz played over other jazz. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this episode's 51 minutes long. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> So it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here on planet north side of Los Angeles. Oh, that's not L.A. Look at those conifers, man. It absolutely is L.A. I looked this up for the joke. <laughs> this is the Franklin Reservoir. It's on the north is, side of Los Angeles. That is both the funniest and saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, since this is the 60s, those probably are actually hippies living in those teepees. <laughs> <sighs> hey, hippies living in teepees. <laughs> Where's my subtitles? Where's my liquid paper? Yeah, that too. So Kirk and McCoy are talking about the area's completely improbable similarity to Earth, which Spock backs up. 
Well, yeah, which is interesting. Spock's like, yeah, this is bullshit. Yeah, this planet isn't in the right kind of solar system. It's not the right kind of planet. Not, saying, not the right composition. This is clearly artificially made. Evidently, though, none of them have ever watched the preceding two seasons where they visit an Earth-identical planet like every week. Right. Yeah, they're so amazed this time. <laughs> I know. They've already forgotten they've met Abraham Lincoln and Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something one tends to forget. Oh, also visited ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. With TV but they'll never cameras. find them in ancient China. Didn't they do something like that too? No Golden Chris commercial fans? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, anyway, they poke around for a bit and then they find a big pointy thing that Spock can't probe. <laughs> Does it involve sword fighting? Uh, not this week, no. Okay. So, despite being able, unable to scan it or even, like, date its construction, Spock is certain that only an advanced society could possibly have built an obelisk like this. I know, it's got to be at least 20 feet tall, my god. <laughs> they, they may have needed the technology of making scaffolding. Scaffolding? That's, that's preposterous. Right. They couldn't have even constructed earthen work ramps without Federation technology. <laughs> Uh, so now, I'm now imagining Spock as the ancient aliens guy. Hey, Cosmic <laughs> Duck, if you're listening, get on that Photoshop. Seriously. Earn my love back. Um, he's got his hands up. He's like, logic. <laughs> I'm not saying it's logic, but it's logic. <laughs> so McCoy is convinced this place is weird because it has meadows, but no craters. Which I thought was interesting. It's just a geological term. There's no craters on the planet, so it's, everything's just fresh. And also, they also make a point that the only life forms at all on this planet are the humanoids. There's no other animals, no deer, no squirrels, no insects. Oh, they I beg to differ. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I know they filmed that's... one scene inside a mosquito storm. <laughs> Well, well I thought it was weird they pointed that out. There's other <laughs> evidence. There's other evidence of other kinds of life forms. I think they just kind like of like all those trees. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what the episode said, man. <laughs> I think the dialogue was badly structured toward asking about intelligent life on the planet, or you know, advanced life forms, because there's definitely signs of animal life besides the insect population. Yeah, there's the Indians. Yeah, so Kirk wants to know what kind of local life forms he can hook up with, so, you know, they go off taking a look. Oh, and something about an asteroid on the way to fuck the planet up. So, you know, best hurry hurry along yeah, and find yeah, those indigenous women. I love how like, the, the the whole reason why they're here is, like, you know, to stop some impending disaster. And this kind of casually mentioned offhand, but in between, look at these trees. Yeah, they have a short time to get the Enterprise out to try to push the asteroid off course for the planet, right? So you kind of wonder why they stopped here first. Like it was to make Kirk's sure it's idea. a planet worth uh, bothering to block the asteroid from? <laughs> well, McCoy <laughs> thought there might be honeysuckle down there. Oh, okay. And orange blossoms. God, I fucking love honeysuckle. Okay, so in plain view from across a lake in their brightly colored shirts, Kirk and the boys observe some Indians. And also from this distance, Spock can somehow identify their specific ancestry. Now, XV, you can't just... They're not Indians, okay? This is the 60s. They're Indians. Oh, okay. <laughs> As we'll find out later, they're clearly gypsies, tramps, and thieves. 
<laughs> also, I like this pose they're in for the uh, shot of them over the lake, where Kirk mm-hmm. is leaned up against a tree, and he appears to be holding onto a branch of the tree. And a little bit later on, he steps away and is still holding the branch and is walking away from the tree with it. Yeah. And I just don't understand at all what, how that got structured like that. Well, first of all, fuck Prime Directive. We're going to go down and we're going to start breaking trees. That's what we're doing. I don't think the Prime Directive applies to trees unless, you know, the trees are sentient. Well, these trees are warp capable. <laughs> In which case, the Prime Directive still wouldn't apply. Right. That's why they're allowed to fuck him up. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Kirk wants to know where I the civilized just... people on the planet are that might have built that obelisk or deflector device. Because what the, episode, what the episode is they doing can't... a shitty job of communicating so far is that this planet apparently must be in a star system with a lot of wandering asteroids and such that should be wrecking the shit out of the place but aren't. Right, yeah, you, they give you the pieces, but they don't really... Put it all together for you. So they cut out the opening paragraph to this episode. Yeah, yeah basically. Kind of. Like, I feel like there should have been a whole Captain's Log uh, yeah, thing I mean, this, bridge scene. This entire thing, I mean, it is. it feels like this is supposed to be after the cold open, isn't it? Yeah, the cold open <laughs> should be, you know, Captain's Log. We're on course for, you know, Engine 6 or whatever. <laughs> oh, we need Major Barrett saying previously in Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> No, we need previously on X-Men. <laughs> or I, gu- I guess it would be whoever narrated the uh, episode previews. Wasn't that usually Shatner? Like, didn't he just record a captain's log that was a preview? Yeah, no. Was no. Fascinating. Let's move on. <laughs> so McCoy loses his mind for a minute and wants to warn the natives that the sky is falling. Right. I figure he's probably just bored and wants to see them all run around frightened. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, because, like, what do you think they're going to fucking do exactly? I mean, that's like running up to an anthill and warning the ants that the rain's coming. It's like... I don't think they really have to worry about that, though. You know. Not I, normally. I don't think the uh, rain really bothers the ants. Unless it's really bad and the tunnels flood, but, you know. Ants take a while to drown, take it from me. Okay. <laughs> So it's time to go, and they head back toward the uh, transport site. But Kirk's really taken with the lovely environment. And then he decides to make a quick detour to look at the obelisk one more time. He's going to piss on it before he goes. <laughs> look, He's he... decided it's his, and he yes. needs to mark it. <laughs> yeah. I claim this in the name of the Federation. <laughs> skeet, 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 motherfucker. So, satisfied for the moment, he calls up to the Enterprise, and then suddenly falls in the power chamber. Well, I love the fact <laughs> that there's apparently his one of his most common phrases is a magic phrase. <laughs> well, you know, you know. We'll get to that later, but yeah. Yeah. Kind of, you're kind of putting the the you know horror before the cart here. Um, yeah. You're getting him XP summary. He hates that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is counterproductive. I will admit, but all this chatter also lets the episode catch up to where I am in my document. Oh, Gordon, so he... this you're going to be kenning it, aren't you? Eh. <laughs> Damn it. Well, yes. Uh, so as he climbs off the floor, he ham-hands some buttons, which zap him with force lightning. And, we get the and most... somehow he manages to fall 
some ten feet away from the bottom of the staircase. Yeah, yeah, there is that. It's, he, from what he we shacked it into the room, he had to check <laughs> Well, and then we get the most overacted loss of consciousness I've seen in a while. Okay. Again, for full disclosure, my wife busted out laughing when she saw this. <laughs> the only thing that scene is missing is like a cartoon lightning skull flashing on top of him. Oh, wait. Wait we a can, second. There it we is. We can fix that. <laughs> Cosmic duck? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to do that with video editing. I could probably handle that. I can still have a GIF. <laughs> yeah, Photoshop. That wouldn't take that much time. Oh my god! Yeah, his 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 falling unconscious was it was a was a moment of of mirth for us. <laughs> it was just it's terrible. <laughs> oh, I'm falling unconscious. <laughs> 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 really? <laughs> so Spock has wasted a little time as and is already recording a captain's log describing the inability to find Kirk after what must be fives of minutes of searching. <laughs> And you know exact, I didn't, he was like, what, less than 10 yards from everyone else? Yes. Did they just, like, turn their back and he was gone? Uh-huh. Did they try looking inside the well that was there? <laughs> Next to all the other problem. babies that fell in? <laughs> all these, all these bones are of some kid named Timmy. We're gonna need another Timmy. Her name Dozens was Jessica. Oh. Well, actually, it still is Jessica. She She survived. So Spock, Ooh, Spock takes the only logical move and decides to abandon the search. Now, McCoy's not very happy about this, but if the asteroid flattens the planet, it'll probably be harder to find Kirk anyway. They they all go take care of that. Well, him and all in one piece. It'll be fine, whatever. If only there's some way the Enterprise could send a team of people to the planet to be away from the ship, <laughs> while the ship stays where it's at, or goes to do other things. No, no, I don't well, see, but they they can't do that because their away team always has the three senior officers. Yeah, and if they send down the remaining three senior officers, they won't have enough senior officers to run the to run the ship. Oh, but uh, Sulu will be there, and so will Uhura. Oh, they can let. Like they're going to let minorities run the ship. Uh, so Uhura wasn't actually on set for this episode. She appears for like five seconds like in stock command anyway, so she'd be on the away team. <laughs> yeah, she's more likely to be on an away team than Sulu. She's got the correct color uniform. <laughs> well, she also knows how to use a fucking phaser, too. We learned that from the animated series. Yeah. Whereas all Sulu knows how to do is uh, judo to chop. input the destination that he's told to input. And judo chop. And sword fight. Damn, Only it, when keeps he's drunk. Drunk. <laughs> it keeps coming back to sword fighting. God damn it. <laughs> you gotta get him pretty drunk for that, though. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, so here, here's a science problem this, this episode presents. This um, asteroid that they've been talking about is almost as big as Earth's moon. Yeah. Is that even actually an asteroid anymore? Well, first of all, as we see later in the episode, it's not spherical. Anything of that size, by its own gravity, would be turned basically spherical. Yeah. Like, There's no it, way it'd be potato-shaped. Unless it just got blasted out from a larger planetary body, yes. And it was... Uh, God, I can't even imagine any circumstance where it'd be potato-shaped and be that big. Right. That Like, that doesn't really work no what if it was artificial different episode. everything's artificial. like if it was like okay if it was made out of styrofoam yes yes <laughs> huh 
So what if it was all artificial? What if this was all like in the context of a TV show? What then? No, but like... no, what? No, no. I'm saying a moon-sized <laughs> hunk of styrofoam. Yeah, I want to know now. A, what, how what heavy? an ecological disaster. How That's heavy? That's doesn't allow to decompose. No, but how <laughs> heavy would a moon-sized block of styrofoam be? How heavy would a ton of styrofoam be exactly? <laughs> would it be as heavy as a ton of feathers? <laughs> no, idiot. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I'm pretty sure if it's the size of the moon, it would still have enough gravity to, you know, collapse in on itself to some degree. Probably. What if they reinforced it with Legos? <laughs> well, as long as you didn't step on them, you'd be fine. Hmm. A one-to-one scale Lego moon. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, Spock does a Kerbal Space Program demonstration of the problem, and then they they just kind of head off to take care of it. So wait, that, that, that asteroid sure is moving fast. Yeah. Okay, wait, so where are we in the episode? I, I can't tell if you're skipping stuff or you're just like, what you're doing here? We're about oh, yeah. seven minutes in. We're talking about the, cur- the demonstration with a pair of rocks. Oh, okay, I'm with you. And right. that is very not to scale. Very not to scale. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> well, okay, so like we know the asteroid's almost the size of Earth's moon. Maybe this planet is only a little bit bigger than Earth's moon. Now, yeah, okay, and then it would be the, the scale. Show, as far as the show goes, I think this is, this is a wonderful thing showing uh, Spock's logic to uh, McCoy's humanity. I think it's a great dynamic. This is To me, this is like the most pure, one of the most pure examples of the relationship. I love it. Yeah, okay. I kind of like the same because... in, in just a few in in less than a minute, the asteroid has uh, <laughs> has, what, has half of the distance, uh, like half its di- half the distance. Uh, they're <laughs> dead in a minute, another minute. <laughs> it was for demonstrations purposes only, and he wanted to dumb it down so even McCoy can understand it. So, and he didn't have any apples. So, like, yeah, no, that's a different episode. Oh, right. Yeah, he didn't have any honeysuckle to distract him with. <laughs> I just love honeysuckle. <laughs> no, and the thing is, like, you can understand both of their points of view on this. Right, right. So, but I like how it's how just at the end of the scene, uh, Spock is just moving them closer. <laughs> yeah, very subtly. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think he's trying to, like, set up in case <laughs> McCoy keeps talking for long enough. He'll eventually touch the other rock, and he'll be able to interrupt and say, Doctor... If this had been a real emergency, we would be dead now. Well, I, think, I expect him to kind of move the rock towards the other rock and then slowly start moving it towards his face. So eventually, McCoy's talking. He just hits his lips and he starts going <laughs> with a rock in his mouth. No, no. He just gently touches the rock to his lips and, like, no more words. <laughs> Doctor, I. Then Spock starts making kissy noises. Yeah, I haven't mentioned this before, but I'm hitting Pond Far again. Meanwhile, in the power chamber, Kirk is staggering around like it's Friday night, freaking out the prop department guys by dropping a communicator from chest height onto a concrete floor. Because uh, really, that's going to be pensive, Kirk. That's going to be bad for that stuff. The only thing I remember is how to overact. <laughs> well, that's not like memory. That's like muscle memory. It's instinct, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a reflex. Yeah. Just like banging the first woman he, woman he meets. <laughs> yes, but we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, this this whole scene of Kurt wandering around, just, oh, <clears throat> damn, Shatner. 
And unfortunately, if Spock and McCoy had just waited around for about two more minutes, they'd have seen Kirk emerging from the obelisk. Yeah. Which That's... the door is open somehow for some reason. This okay. There's a motion sensor on the inside, but not on the outside. Yeah. You've been to Target before. You know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me there anymore. So instead, Kirk. Okay, is... that. Okay, you need to use a set of doors just to the side of those. <laughs> and pull on the handle. <laughs> but it doesn't say whether to push or pull. I don't know what to do. I said pull. Well, you did, but there's no sign on the door. And he doesn't listen to you. Okay, yeah, look, why are you, you making this hard for me? Okay, so all you need to do, like, it's a bunch of glass, right? So you just get a, a model asteroid. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you get a running start. <laughs> yes. Well, if that, helps you, if that helps you throw harder, that you know, that's fine. So uh, Kirk, Star Trek nerds, none of us can throw. <laughs> Kirk is greeted by native women who conveniently speak English. So, who's this dark lady? <laughs> Has she found someone to take away the heartache? Oh, boy. <laughs> Thus it begins. One so, the- I... I- Honestly, I thought this woman just a li- looked a little bit like Kim Kardashian, honestly. No way, it's Cher, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the hair says Cher, but the face and the nose... The Indian costume does, too. <laughs> All she needs to do would be sitting on a horse, pantsless, and we're good. It, yeah, yes, that would be good. I, I would be okay with that. Yes, well, this this one native lady is very pleased and decides to take Kirk home. Situation normal. <laughs> So strange. <laughs> Kirk strangely looks confused by this. Something's not right with Kirk. Well, no, well usually really. he's the one taking them home. Yeah, I think he's well, a little taken aback by someone coming on so strong. Well, I don't know. Personally, I think as the episode goes on, I think it's ex- outstanding how normal he takes everything that happens to him. Oh, I'm I'm a god? I'm worshipped by everyone around me? Yeah, sounds about right. He just totally <laughs> just eases into it without questioning it once. <laughs> Never he has un- plenty of opportunity, and he never does it. Never underestimate in a ego. Oh my god! Uh, so the Enterprise is speeding along to meet the implausibly giant asteroid, heading off at warp nine. Even, uh, yeah, Which much is like too... warp four of next generation scale or some shit. Yes, but yeah. the Enterprise is slow cruising... down there, Scotty. The Enterprise is <laughs> like safe top speed is warp eight, so they're really... the wheels start rattling then. Yeah, Scotty's very upset. He kind of takes the screen. But Spock is adamant that they have to keep going at top possible speed. And so Scotty has to go get a drink. Yeah, well, my thing is, Scotty's like telling him, like, no, you don't understand. The engines are not designed for this. They're going to fall apart. And Spock's like, even though he's a scientist, should really fucking know better. (laughs) When your chief engineer says, hey, we're going to blow up, you should probably listen to him. But then again, Scotty says that every week. And they haven't blown up once. See, Kirk is fooled. Very illogical throughout the whole episode. Now, see, Kirk is fooled by Scotty's, you know, engineering jargon. But Spock sees right through that shit. He knows that a good engineer exaggerates everything. So he's just assuming Scotty's exaggerating the, you know, horrible state of the engines right now. And everything will be fine. That's because he can't see Scotty sweating like a like a whore in church down in engineering. Well, it was the 60s. I mean, everybody looked like they were covered in vegetable oil. We talked about this before. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. It was the age before shampoo. <laughs> and air conditioning. Yes, instead of shampoo, they used vegetable oil. Science wasn't really, you know, so much of a thing back then. Or lard. 
Yeah, whatever they had handy, you know. So uh, Kirk is being questioned by the village elder. But the medicine... hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Oh, jeez. The uh, <laughs> the medicine chief is not having this at all. Now, see, they suspect Kirk is a god because he emerged from the obelisk they revere as a temple, and he's got white skin and blue eyes, <laughs> blonde hair. The medicine chief wants proof, and and his clothes don't have any straps to hold it together. Yes, well, we'll get to that in more detail later too. Um, the elder exposits about the sky growing dark and bad shit happening, as foretold by the people who settled their ancestors in this place. Kirk must make the temple quiet the sky. That will be the proof. Kirk's muddy memory's not helping a lot here, though, especially when he talks about having come from the sky before he was in the temple. But, you know, he can't remember anything useful. I like how they call him on his bullshit, and he offers no defense, but nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, Kirk's just like, uh, I don't know, maybe? Are you a god or aren't you? He just stares at them. Uh-uh. Like, totally doesn't answer. And like, well, I guess that means he is. If like, someone asked you if you're a god, what do you say? Yes? Yes. <laughs> you say yes. <laughs> well, see, here's the problem. Kirk lost his memory, so he doesn't remember Ghostbusters. <laughs> Which is the worst thing about this episode. That's that's the nightmare, truly. Can you imagine living not remembering Ghostbusters? I don't want to. Well, fortunately, right at this time, a child has died. Hooray! Ah. <laughs> yeah, so this, this kid drowned because he got caught in the fishing net. Uh, much like a dolphin. Um, yeah, I prefer my tuna to be child safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the medicine chief Intro looks like... quote. <laughs> well, yes, but you have to give me a minute here. Uh... Okay, we'll see if I can find that later. <laughs> Um, so the medicine chief looks over the kid, listens to his chest, looks in his eyes. He can't really do anything about the kid being dead because, you know, he's a medicine chief. But Kirk steps up and starts performing CPR. I mean, um, breathes life into the child. Yes, and as he breathes life into the child, you can visibly see the child's stomach grow as he becomes pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Making out with Kirk. And then pushes up the kid's legs, and this is not any type of CPR I've seen before. It's 60s CPR. The idea is to get the blood moving. The idea is to stretch open the legs to make room for Kirk. (laughs) So, I gotta say, I did laugh out loud at that, because that's like some, like, 1940s, like... Like Warner Brothers cartoon bullshit when you pump the legs like that to get yeah. people to breathe. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, that is primitive as fuck. <laughs> I was like, no no heart compressions, nothing. Well, you know, if you do heart compressions right, you break people's ribs, so. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll give the kid leg massages, though. I know, I know. <laughs> <In the lungs. laughs> it was very uncomfortable looking. For all involved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being the parents of the boy though, who's like standing off camera, going, "Okay, Mr. Shatner, that that's enough, Mr. Mr. Shatner, you can you can stop that." They now. are counting the dollars flying into their wallets. Yeah, like yeah, Star Trek parents. was such a fucking money maker. <laughs> He's well, gonna make us next. We'll get an Oscar. So Kirk has brought the child back to life, and that's got the elder convinced. He even fires the medicine chief and gives his badge to Kirk. Because what could possibly go wrong? 
I love that the Medicine Chief's uh, emblem basically is like a doctor's little silver disc they wear in their forehead. <laughs> but with the obelisk stamped in it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Skip forward. I also like how apparently it's elastic. You think that's something Bessie noticed too? It was like, well, oh, they yeah, have I mean, they have to have the same prop fit on two different guys' heads. But that's maybe the right way to do that was to tie it in the back like a regular headband. No. No, all that vegetable oil would have loosened the knot. Ew. Oh, okay. <laughs> or either that or it's a sacred uh, elastic headband uh, given by the people who uh, brought them there. It's a space headband. Uh, the Enterprise is approaching the asteroid now, and Spock wants all power diverted to the deflector, despite Scotty telling him that any way they go about it, they're just going to pop all the circuit breakers. I gotta go down the basement, and it's creepy down there, and I don't have a flashlight. It's full of spiders! It's got spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Triple corpses everywhere. <laughs> so the lights dim as circuits fail. Spock won't give Scotty time to replace the damaged elements, and he orders the operation to proceed at once. Now, to be fair, they are kind of hanging nose-to-nose -nose with an asteroid, and they don't really have a lot of leeway in the... Now, I do room. like some of the sh rear shots of the Enterprise here. Yeah, there's some it's good... It's aft. There's yes. some good stuff in this remaster. Um, oh, uh, they're... These shot, the shots of the cloak, the shots of the rear of the Enterprise with the asteroid in them, they actually, the originals actually look look pretty good. These look a lot better, though. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that they don't have any, I mean, they don't, they're, they're pretty much clean composites without any of the uh, black gunk around the sides. Yeah, they did a good job with these, with the original effects. Yeah. Sometimes, like the you ship, know. Like the, yeah, I mean, these, the ship itself is nice and clear. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Enterprise fires a beam from its deflector dish. Which looks like a phaser beam. Well, they only knew how to color two kinds of beam. It was either, you know, orange or blue. Yeah. Actually, sometimes it was red, I guess. Oh, and there's Uhura's one appearance for the episode taken from stock footage. Ah. That's why it looked so funny. So I'd the say. beam didn't work. Yeah. If only the... we had left a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> if only the circuit breakers hadn't popped. I told you we should have upgraded to 50 amp. If only we didn't have to rush to get here, right, McCoy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so with the diversion having failed, logically, Spock decides they'll just fly in front of the asteroid as it makes its way to the planet and wait until they get enough power back to phaser it to death. Even Scotty has to agree to this plan, right? <laughs> yeah, so apparently, apparently Spock wants to just cut it in half. He, he, you put a focus beam right in the center, and you want to drill all the way through. It's the size of a moon, by the way. Yeah. He wants to drill all the way through to the core to split it in half. Yep. Split it in twain. Yeah. So let's take, a, let's take a moment here and reflect on two approaches to moving an asteroid in Star Trek. One we saw a few weeks ago in Deja Q, where, you know, the more advanced 24th century Enterprise had to, like, throw a warp field around a much smaller asteroid and only then barely managed to move it as far as they needed to to get a stable orbit out of it. Here's this Enterprise trying to move something the size of the moon yeah. with a deflector beam. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Worf suggested they shoot the asteroid with a phaser, and that would have worked if they'd listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, I still don't know why they didn't just phaser it into smaller pieces, which might have, like, burned up in that planet's atmosphere. 
If it's the size of a moon, that would be a lot, a lot, a lot of little pieces. But right, but if they burn up in the atmosphere, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Not, not and that, also, that if they blow it up into a lot of little pieces, they can move them out of the. They could deflect them one by one. Yeah. Okay. See, that's actually a valid idea. <laughs> but if they blow like them up smaller, angle, they'll like just burn beam. up in the atmosphere, and it'll be fine. Well, they could just leave and say, "Fuck it." <laughs> right. There's like twelve people on this planet. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Well, they left Kark there, so now they have to save them. They, they've been there for thousands of years to populate and advance, and there's 12 of them. They're not doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were talking about earlier whether there was other kinds of animal life on this planet. Yeah. Uh, so at the start of this scene, uh, there is an yes. animal skin full of water, which is very clearly yes, an animal fabulous skin. beaver purse. <laughs> yes. um, I think that's actually her Indian name. <laughs> She beaver hollowed out a beaver and is using it as like a, a, a water bottle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Front legs and all. <laughs> okay, so Salish. How the do you former... know that's just not this? How do you know that's just not the skin of one of the drowned children? Well, the you the, can't. The limbs are kind of short. It's well, they, you can cut those off. I guess, but then you'd have leaks. <laughs> you tie them off with little knots. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so Salish anyway. is the former medicine chief. Uh, he and Miramani, the priestess who took Kirk home the other day, have a chat by the lake. See, they were supposed to get married, but since he lost his job, she's going to go for better prospects. Like so, the god that just landed on their door. So and she chief. says to him, your heart is down for the count, and you know you're going to lose it. Tonight oh you're going to go down in flames, just like Jesse James. God fucking damn it. So, so a white guy shows up, Takes his job, takes his woman, his boss, like, gives him everything, his boss slash dad or something, I don't know. What the hell, man? No, what, this guy has every right to be pissed as fuck. Uh, Miramani suggests that he, you know, go find some other lady in the tribe, because anybody would be happy to have him. Like the other woman in the tribe. Women love unemployed men. <laughs> <laughs> But no, this he is just needs going... to believe and laugh after love. Stop it. <laughs> but no, like any good, you know, uh, rival character in a TV show, he's going to stay obsessed with this woman until it kills everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, go on. I'm just waiting for the next scene. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> Kirk is hollowing out a gourd. That'll become <laughs> important later. <laughs> so you see, the small hole on top is when it's cold outside, and the bottom hole <laughs> is when I'm ready to go. So that's what you're in for. <laughs> Miramani comes in asking if he'd like to take a bath. Still not in his right mind, he declines her offer. Instead, I like how he's holding the gourd makes it look like he's holding his penis. <laughs> yes. Kirk wants to hear some more exposition right now. But Miramani believes that surely a god like Kirk must have already read the entire script. Oh, he has, but don't call him Shirley. <laughs> so I notice you don't smoke here. I just carved you a giant fucking bong. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking along that line, too. It looks like a big pipe. Okay, so basically... The wise ones placed the people here a long time ago and selected one among them to learn the temple's secrets. 
and that became the role of the medicine chief. That was passed down along family lines along with the secret so it could be used if danger came from the sky. Now, right about, this, right about this time, Miramani has had enough and goes for the direct approach, asking Kirk how to take his clothes off. <laughs> I mean, she's like, she's really pissed about it, too. I mean, she is looking hard. Uh, Kirk's confused, though, because surely Solish, as the medicine chief, should know these secrets. But his father was apparently kind of a dick and put off revealing the secret. And then he died. Way to fuck over your whole civilization, Solish's dad. Yeah, I mean, he comes from a line of losers, apparently. Uh, so finally, after however many days in the village, the Elder thinks to ask Kirk what his name is. <laughs> I am Kirok. Yeah, Kirk admits a couple of vague syllables, and the Elder decides to name him Kirok. Well, okay, then. In, in fairness to the Chief, I mean, anybody listening to Shatner talk would think he's done speaking at several points throughout his sentence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, my name is Kerr. Kerr. Ark. Okay, right. Sure, okay. Say that makes sense. Uh, The Elder then invites Kerr to punish them if he's not happy with their progress and their civilization. Yes, please punish us. We've been naughty. Nah, Kerr cool. He's pretty happy, in fact. Except about that whole, like, existential doubt thing. That kind of sucks. But Miramani is well and truly determined to get in Kurok's pants. If only she could comprehend how to remove them from him. She's <laughs> mad because he's not listening to what she says. That's the reference. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to let it float there. I'm just going to let it float like a smoke signal. Uh, so back with the Enterprise, they're reversing at full speed in front of the asteroid. Wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So okay. back to the thing. This, this is one thing I noticed that Kirk does. And it bugs me every time he does it. He loves grabbing women by the upper arms and like holding them with a grip and then like talking at their face. It's the most uncomfortable looking thing to me. The Is baby... it his warm embrace? The, oh, no. The, that's just his arms. The baby shake maneuver, yeah. Yeah. He like grabs them by the upper arms and like holds them still and like talks in their face. It's like, what, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> He's a man in the 60s. I guess. It's just like, it's, it's such a weird thing to do to somebody. Anyway, I'm sorry, go on. Uh, Enterprise reversing at full speed. Spock has asked Chekhov to plot the weakest point of the asteroid, where they will fire their phasers to break it apart. Unfortunately, Chekhov has rattled off a line of gibberish, and so they can't actually get a useful targeting resolution. Uh, As they fire... Well, no, like, you know, Spock asks for coordinates. He's like, you know, Tau 6, Omega 5, 12, you know, just... Victor, 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 right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So as they fire phasers, Scotty is surprisingly unhappy as he turns and complains to the engineering crew that only he can see. Yeah. So Um, what I do like, I do like to make a point, though, that they're firing all phaser banks like in a rotating thing. So it's like a Gatlin gun, a Gatlin gun of of phaser fire. I thought that was kind of cool. They want a continuous firing. Unfortunately, the sequential firing of the phasers hasn't worked. So let's just open up all of them at once. And it's still the same two two beams. <laughs> oh, it's like a thicker two beams. Like, all the emitters have just focused in one place together. Oh, Scotty's got the most... Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, as in engi- his face this entire episode. <laughs> as engineering begins catching fire, Scotty just stands there and cries. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 
Uh, Kurok is now dressed in clothes Miramani knows how to remove. She's... I've always looked good in buckskin. <laughs> <laughs> She's finished a wedding cloak and wants to set a date. Uh, Kurok is fine with that. And Miramani starts talking about how they're going to get married tomorrow and have years of happiness ahead of them. Wink. <laughs> with you, yeah, <laughs> nothing could possibly happen. I retire tomorrow. <laughs> See, once they get married, the white man will call her Indian squaw. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> yeah. You know, th- there was complaints, though. Some people were telling them their love would not pay the tent. That joke was definitely intense. Hello? (laughs) Not dignifying that. (laughs) Not dignifying that at all. So worth it. Should I turn back time? (laughs) Before that joke, yes. (laughs) You know, the weird thing is, we've watched episodes like Planet Africa and Space Irish. And, like, this could just as easily be as racist as all of them, but watching it, it just does not, like, feel like it resounds the same way. That means we're racist. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> right. It really probably That's exactly does. What that means. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is fine. This is fine. Yeah, yeah that means we're the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm 164th Cherokee, so these are my people. I can say these things. Yeah, I think I'm about the same. <laughs> as is everyone else born in the Southeast. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Scotty reports to Spock that everything is broken. They have impulse power, but Spock has destroyed every other important system. Spock wants to know how long it'll take to repair. Forever. They need a starbase to fix this. Which then Spock, like, yeah, I already knew that. Thanks anyway. Why did you ask? What did, yeah, that's just a dick move. I wanted to make you feel important. <laughs> You're not. And, then, and then I wanted to make you feel small. It's logical. If you want to tear someone down, it's more logical to build Scotty, a well, how? I don't think anyone could make Scotty feel small. Maybe older Scotty? <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a Dyson sphere with old Scotty on it is about the only thing that makes Scotty feel small. That's why I crashed there. That made him feel thin. <laughs> McCoy's standing by, ready to yell at Spock for fucking everyone and everything over. And then and orders Spock does. to rest. So Spock's plan now, such as it is, is to proceed back to the planet. A trip of about two months at impulse power. Now, I gotta say that McCoy is nasty in this scene. He really just rips Spock a new one. He's like, you've left him to die. Now you've doomed everybody. You failed at this. You made a horrible decision. I mean, he just dumps on him. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. So it's two months back to the planet, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That means that it's going to take the asteroid two months to get there, too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, two months... Maybe call for out. help? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that would probably be a good idea. Call for some backup. They could probably get sure somebody we- there in two months. Yeah. Um, but yes, they will have a four-hour lead on the asteroid the whole way back. So, yeah, that is the the big... So apparently impulse power can only get them as... about as fat the speed of the asteroid? Well, no, they can go faster. They want to stay within four hours of the asteroid. Why? Yeah, well, because they want to monitor it and keep track of it, and so they can be close to it, they figure out something else. They've been able to monitor it from the plant, from 
when they were at the planet. Okay, I'm just okay, what they said okay. in the episode. Science provides us an answer to this problem. So, without their warp engines working, they don't have a warp field. So, naturally, the impulse power is only working as a reactive thruster. So, they can only yeah. accelerate up to the point where they could then turn around and decelerate to stop when they get to the other side. If they had a warp field working, they could just use that to stop themselves when they get where they're going, and they could run the impulse engines up faster. So you enjoyed saying that so much, I'm not even going to argue with you. Thank you. Anyway, McCoy starts in on Spock again, but Spock is ignoring him by now. <coughs> oh my Actually, God, in space, you? constant thrust equals constant velocity. So when they turn off the impulse engines, they stop immediately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, okay, that is my my big – actually, my, my major problem this entire episode is this. They had two months to take care of this problem, and they didn't, like, call Starfleet for help. Like, they're the only spaceship in the middle of nowhere, and there's no help at all. I mean, I that's just – I don't Maybe they that. did, and Starfleet said no. <laughs> <laughs> We're busy. Those 13 people can die. We don't care. Yeah. Are, is there any uh, mutagenic radiation around them? You no? fucked up. Sure. You limp your way back to Starbase on your own time. Thank you. Yeah. The other thing, too, is, like, they opened up with full phasers on the asteroid, but someone forgot they probably also have some photon torpedoes. Which just, like, would do a lot better d damage. <laughs> I mean, they would do something. Well, you could deflect them. You set up a spread and have it blow up on one side. That'd be enough to deflect at the few, like, percentages of a degree that you need for it to miss the planet. It would be so easy. The other thing, too, is they talk about there being a fissure on the middle of the asteroid when they're trying to phaser it. They could, like, send a spread of photon torpedoes down into that where the explosion would basically create a little jet out of that and actually, like, direct the thrust, you know? I actually like that Not idea. Not direct the thrust to explode some torpedoes deep inside a fissure. <laughs> Yeah, you know, at this point, are you two working together on this or what? <laughs> I mean, did you guys talk before the show? Usually, yes, but not this week. <laughs> this is what eight years of doing podcasts together gets you. <laughs> Might as well be married. I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that I get to talk to you every week for, you know, years on end. On the other hand, uh, eight years of this shit. I know, right? <laughs> I could be a doctor right now if I'd applied the same amount of time. Just by pure statistics, one of us should have killed the other and gained the other's power by this point. Yeah, but I thought the same thing about me and Kilby, and that still hasn't happened yet. There's a weight joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to touch it. So it's the wedding it day, and Salish <laughs> creepily watches Miramani being readied, and he breaks a bit inside. Right. A single me tear runs down his eyes because the garbage <laughs> runs across the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, I like how they're putting the half-life symbol on Kirk's cheeks. Yeah, he's being painted up by the elder at the obelisk. Uh, the elder gives so him some instructions to, you know, count to five and then follow me back, which gives him just enough time to completely overact his elation at life. Their wedding vows are just, "I got you, babe." Ah. Uh. Okay, so what the hell is Kirk? He's standing there, stony-faced. He turns, and then, like a goon... Yeah, no, I think grinning. he's pretty stoned right now. That's pretty much the what only explanation the for this. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and then he hugs himself. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? This is the worst. It's just... <laughs> he's high on honeysuckle. <laughs> <laughs> 
but his elation is short-lived as Solish tries to stab him. Yes, he took a knife and drove it deep in his heart. Or just cut it across his hand a little bit. But that was enough, because Solish is delighted to find Karak bleeding. So apparently this is a thing about Native American gods don't bleed if you cut them. I think it's interesting that Kurt seems a little confused about it, too. He's like, oh, shit, I did I'm bleed. I'm full of red I... things? Yeah. I thought it was only full of brown and yellow things. <laughs> and creamy white. <laughs> I thought it was a Cadbury cream egg. <laughs> Cadbury Kirk eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Her cake just have little babies inside them. <laughs> oh, gross. So that'd be like a kinder egg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the safety of children, they are illegal in North America. <laughs> anyway, Kurok beats his ass, and Solish warns him that unless Kurok kills him, he's just going to tell the others Kurok isn't a god at all. People love that when you tell them their god isn't real. Yeah. Yes. And they always listen to you without question. They just believe the last thing anyone ever to- tells them. Mm-hmm. Like they're like... a prison or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. This is where he wears his awesome coat. Oh, the uh, Kirk and the, the amazing Technicolor dream coat? <laughs> yes. Amazing Technicolor 70s throw rug. <laughs> Did they make throw like... rugs out of feathers? Well, I think it was horrible, like, horrible, horrible fake feathers. Had... How many parakeets had to die for this? A lot. <laughs> yeah, so... it looks so itchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rayon. So the wedding takes place. And then we get a time skip of just short of two months. Y- yeah. Because apparently okay. nothing of consequence happened for those remaining seven and a half weeks. They didn't well, repair anything. Things happened. It was just all X-rated. They couldn't show that on TV. No, no, no. Up on the Enterprise. Oh, same thing. Or is that what you meant between McCoy and Spock? Yeah. So Spock has been working the entire time intervening on figuring out the alien writing on the obelisk, to the exclusion of eating or even sleeping. He looks fine for the ordeal. I mean, he's a Vulcan. What does he need with food? Yeah. All he ever I mean, eats is plomeek anyway. <laughs> Can you even call yeah, plomeek like food? Different. I do like how McCoy pulls the rank on this. Like, look, I'm a medical officer. I can call security down here and confine you to med bay if I have to. Why don't we just, always, you know, sedate him then if he's so concerned? I've always liked that about Star Trek. How they make the metal, medical officer they can outrank the captain in certain situations. I always thought that was cool. Yeah, so McCoy orders rest and Spock goes and, you know, lays on his bed. But, of course, the moment the door closes after McCoy leaves, he's right back to work. I was uh, I was just hoping McCoy would have just come right back in. <laughs> I said, "Go to bed." <laughs> because oh, you can't have a glass of water. <laughs> because really, McCoy knows Spock. McCoy knows exactly what Spock's going to do, and McCoy never misses a chance to uh, lord anything over Spock. The other thing I like about this scene is that McCoy just says flat out, yeah, I know you blame yourself for crippling the ship and losing the captain. We did too. But we're over that now. (laughs) That's a great line. Yeah, we've had two months to think about it, and maybe we're a little harsh. The thing is, though, there's this, like, great pause there where he says, we did too, before he moves on to the, but we changed our minds. Like, he's just letting it hang there for a second. Yeah, Yeah. we blamed you too. 
Remember that. Well, back on the planet, Kirok and Miramani are playing in the forest, having a great time. Frolicking. I mean, that's the only yeah. word I can think of here is frolicking. Yeah. I mean, as I was watching the scene and figuring out how to describe it, the word frolicking just kept coming up and I kept resisting it. Because <laughs> the last, yeah, thing, I want, the last thing I really want to talk about is William Shatner frolicking in a forest. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> so happy. And smooth. So it's smooth. Is there some kind of way, though, that she could tell that he loves her, though? Well, <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> is it? Is it in his kiss? <laughs> it <laughs> is. It is in his kiss. <laughs> Do that to me. I'm, I'm a 38 year old man. Don't make me quote share. <laughs> it's not his warm embrace. No, that's just his arms. Oh fuck. <sighs> Somehow this is your fault, X, but you're allowing this to happen. I certainly am. On your podcast. <laughs> so, you know, everything, like everything's going great between them, except Kurok's been having troubling dreams caused by his lost memories. I thought it was caused by his sideburns growing in. Yeah, the fake sideburns they glued onto the side of his triangular ones. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and his hair looks really dark, and I'm wondering, okay, what, what happened here? He hasn't washed it in two months. So is that his natural color? Either that or it's all the mosquitoes clinging to his hair. Ew. Oh my god, there's so many bugs. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you film on location in a forest in the summer. Now, I gotta say, seeing him with the sideburns and his hair's all dark and kind of curly over his head, he looks like old Kirk starting in the movies. Yeah, like, with this, you can actually kind of see the bridge to what he ends up looking like later yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. And that fly is getting some. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> mm, vegetable oil. No, 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 no. Anyway, Miramani <laughs> decides to take his mind off his troubles, make him happy again, with a baby. That's right. They're going to have a half-breed. <laughs> half, half what? Well, half share and half Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> a shirk, if you will. <laughs> Of responsibility, which is what I plan on doing when I teleport off this fucking planet and leaving you with the baby. <laughs> I'm shirking the responsibility. Now, you can tell that Kirk is uh, not in his, like, he doesn't remember himself. His personality's kind of gone because he has absolutely no problem with this idea of a lifetime commitment of a child. Right. Let's call him David, then forget about him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this would actually be Kirk's at least second child at this point. Well, that we know of. I mean, honestly. Well, that's why I said at like, least. That yeah, he like, knows of. That we know of. Yeah. It's kind of like James Bond at this point. He's probably got kids all over the galaxy. Well, there's, there's James Bonds. All of all shapes shit. and colors. <laughs> yeah. Tentacle okay, so shit. in the village, Kurok has been having quite an influence over the last several weeks. Most of the men have gained 30 or 40 pounds, and many have taken to shaving their heads and gluing their hair into crude toupees so, so that they might better reflect the image of their god. <laughs> you read that from a piece of paper, you dick. I absolutely did. I've been reading all of this from a piece of paper. By Whereas of paper, I'm quoting all these share facts off the top of my head and not a piece of hastily scribbled notes in front of me. That's because you're a 38-year-old gay man, Mickey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, uh, asshole-ish, but not wrong. 
Technically correct. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Kirk has invented the lamp. He's trying to teach them irrigation and other things. Miramani accuses okay, Kirk okay, of okay, inventing... Hold, hold. Oh, sorry. What? What? This, like, sh- this alarms me a little bit. It's like Because Kirk has introduced them to technology and progress. Uh-huh. This always results in disaster when you take a native species and say, what if you did this? What if you invented the wheel and then the gun? Yeah, and then money. Bioweapons. You know there's a Star Trek episode about <clears throat> introducing the gun to a primitive culture, right? What's what's it called? A Taste of Armageddon. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Miramani accuses Kirok of inventing the lamp to keep her cooking even at night. No, he invented the lamp because he prefers to have sex with the lights on. Yeah, that was my joke. Yeah. It's easier to see his reflection that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In her shiny, shiny hair. Uh, so a storm starts rolling in. Basically, at this point, it's time for Kirok to save the world. All right. Well, you've had it good for two months. You've been banging on the women. We've treated you as a god. Okay, now you actually got to do your job. So just like Bill Nye, he does it with a song about butt stuff. Oh, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> you, Bill Nye. Yeah, god damn it. <sighs> I told you Bigman was better. <laughs> I never really disagreed with you. Beekman had a guy in a rat suit. You can't compete with that. It really is. (laughs) Lester. (laughs) He's dead now. Oh. What? Yeah, Yeah, he died. (gasps) Rats don't live that long. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker. So, like, okay. I'm about, I'm almost 37 minutes in. This one shot of Kirk... His hair looks so thin at this angle I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. It is, it's really awful looking. Yeah. Okay, but so one thing I don't like about this scene is, like, there's a little bit of thunder and lightning. She's like, ooh, I'm scared of the lightning and thunder. It's like, it's okay. It's no big deal. And she's like, okay, well, now that it's started, you need to go to the temple and take care of this. And, like, two seconds later, the chief and the old medicine man come running. He's like, what the fuck are you here? You should be at the temple. I'm thinking, it just started. That's because they were outside the teepee listening to them about the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, give me give me a minute. <laughs> give an Aryan a minute, okay? So Kurok has no idea what he's supposed to do, but he gets peer pressured and so he heads to the obelisk. To do what? He has no idea. I mean, to be fair, he does suggest like sheltering everybody in the caves, you know, to weather out the storm. This whole episode feels like one step away from a Futurama plot. So it would be Fry leading the people. You know, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I would enjoy it more if it was Bender leading the people. Because that always worked well. Zoidberg! Zoidberg <laughs> becomes the god of the Indians. See, they wouldn't put up with it for like like ten minutes, though. He wouldn't last yeah. two minutes. <laughs> They'd figure out he was full of shit real quick. Uh, so unfortunately, shoulder throws and judo chops are useless against the monument. And Kirok can't get inside or make it respond. But apparently, that's all like how the old medicine man, Salish or whatever, who's like just creepily, again, watching from the bushes. Yes, he is <laughs> delighted at Kirok's failure. And Even though that think... means he dies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing I think about Kirok. If I were him, I'd be like, oh, now to start the day-long uh, ritual while I think of something else to do. <laughs> I mean, why do they get like a garage door open? And he like clicks a button and it fixes everything. I mean, they've never seen this before. He could said, "Oh, well, it's like it's several days of ritual I have to do. So bring me wine and 
two or three more women. <laughs> Have you figured out how to make cheese yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Spock has worked out, however he does these things, that the writing on the obelisk is some kind of music. Apparently by sitting and playing on his guitar thing. Oh, his Vulcan loot. Yeah, that. Also his, really also cool his Vulcan warrant. Um, Man, dude loves some red <laughs> drake, doesn't he? <laughs> and the Vulcan crook? Yes, Fort Max. Vulcan rockapella. <laughs> Where in the world is Sarek? <laughs> uh, anyway, with this breakthrough, Spock has been able to learn everything we need to know to move the plot forward. Hooray! A race called the Preservers set up the tribe on the planet and placed the obelisk as a defense system. <clears throat> and apparently they do this a lot, which McCoy figures must be why all aliens look like weird colored humans. Not all. He says many. Most, or, yeah. or a lot. Which I thought was interesting. They make a point that all of them are just... a. You know, well, yeah, I like Spock, for instance, like dude has green blood. Yeah, so he clearly kind of evolved different. So I, I guess these preservers are mentioning are the same ones from TNG uh, that seeded the galaxy. It's got to be the same people. Well, those wouldn't really be preservers, though. Those would be, you know, inseminators. Yeah, if they're preservers, they'd be like throwing them in mason jars in grandma's basement. <laughs> yeah, fucker. <laughs> I was like, I was like a nanosecond behind that joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, a, a, later in later non-canon sources, uh, yeah, the preservers. These, these are the same preservers. That's why we see this obelisk later in other other uh, media. You're talking anyway. about that stupid game again, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I kind of yeah. figured. It's I stand by watch. it. Uh, so has brought the so, other yeah, soldiers. This, uh... All this other media you're always talking about, it's always that one game, yeah. right? Yes. It's that one game about Star Trek. <laughs> We're not doing that podcast either. Give me Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, no. Solish has brought the villagers to see Kirok's failure. Finally, he's proven Kirok is no god. And he'll have a wonderful five or six hours to enjoy that victory before a moon falls out of the sky on him. At least I'll die right. Anyway, they said about stoning Kirok. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, so the the kind of the, the Jesus metaphor at this point starts getting a little annoying to me. Because, like, the whole white savior thing coming down, Native American, and it's, it's the whole, yeah, it's that kind of story. Except the fact that we all know that Kirk is a, a, a false savior the entire oh, time. Oh, yeah, we know. But the, uh, the aliens don't. Even Kirk but doesn't. We're all watching from the, the stands going, oh yeah, Kirk's going to fail big time here. He's a fraud. Yeah. Uh, Miramani rushes though. in trying to stop them. Solish tells her to go up there and die with Kirok. Then they stone her too. Right in the gut. Yeah. But now, I gotta say, as no, far as the... It, it looks, uh, half of it, it looks like Kirk is you, like half of it is Kirk using her as a shield. <laughs> you know, he instincts. <laughs> like she is not like he is not doing a good job of keeping her behind him. Well, it's the force of the impact from all those little rocks that's spinning them around. Now, in that breeze, I gotta say their aim is pretty good. Also, he just like stands over with his arms out, like taking the rocks to the face, and he doesn't show any marks at all. No, no, he doesn't. I, I, 
Well, it did take a razor sharp like obsidian knife to give him a slight cut on the palm of his hand. So I that guess was he's not an obsidian do knife. I don't know what it was. That was plastic. <laughs> Sorry. No, but like it was completely the wrong color for an obsidian knife anyway. Just some other kind of sharpened stone. Sharpened concrete. They took a chip uh, off the uh, obelisk base and, you know, started making knives out of that. Oh, please. Like, they had the budget to uh, have a concrete base for that obelisk. No, no, I'm talking about, like, in-universe. It's a concrete base on the obelisk, and they started, they started chipping off of that to make blades for their knives. Uh, Spock and McCoy beam down, to, and they scare off the mob, just as Kirk finally goes down. Because they couldn't just, you know, teleport Kirk up or anything. <laughs> Well, I think it's just coincidence they happened to beam down right near where he was. Don't they, like, scan an area for life forms where they beam okay, down? Okay, but think back to the start of the episode. Okay, like... also, also, wait. They would. <laughs> they didn't have anything to lock on to to beam Kirk up. Yeah, they can't really tell him apart from the natives. Because his communicator's down in the basement. And everybody else is also a human, so... With the power chamber. Yeah. Also, one could presume that the base of the obelisk is shielded from scans, just like the uh, top of it is. Because remember, Spock couldn't scan through it at the start of the episode. Well, yeah, but he's standing on top of it, though. There's, like, nothing in between them and the ship. No, but that's why they can't read his communicator still. Oh, well, yeah, they can see his communicator, but... All right, whatever. And again, they wouldn't be able to differentiate Kirk from any of the other humans on the planet. All right, all right, I'll let it go. Now, I gotta say, Nurse Chapel, get some nice panty shots here. My goodness. <laughs> Jesus, she's like a Japanese schoolgirl. I mean... The skirts on those uniforms don't really, you know, go very far. Kind of hard to no, not right. get a panty shot. <clears throat> yeah. The, well, this is when uh, Papa calls for the herd. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a Gene Roddenberry being a pervert joke in there, isn't there? I was trying to say sell a couple bottles of Dr. Good, but that was my last reference. I screwed it up. Damn it. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> that just means you have to replace it with another reference. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Nurse Chapel beams down with a kit so McCoy can start fixing up Kirk. Meanwhile, Spock questions Miramani, but she's kind of busy dying. Yeah, look at all the, the wounds she suffered. Yeah. All that blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. She's bleeding all over the place. Yeah, look at all those bruises and cut skin. Yeah. Terrible. Those, you know, heavy, heavy rocks being stoned. Mm-hmm. Broken bones. Yeah. So, it would take too long for McCoy to gently, gently restore Kirk's memories. So instead, Spock goes and drags all his memories back out telepathically. Which is painful to watch, by the way. Ugh. That yeah. acting, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's not really That's... clear, like, what he's actually doing, except, like, you know, just telling him he's Kirk. <clears throat> He's just reprogramming his name back into him, and somehow that fixes all of his memories. Well, see, uh, it's it's like changing the name on a uh, file that a lot of other stuff is caught calling. Because uh, all because uh, all his main his actual memories are stored under Kirk, and well, when he changed the file name, it's not able to pull any of them up. That's not a very smart operating system, is it? Welcome to humans. <laughs> <laughs> they we have eyelashes to keep stuff out of our eyes. And what do they do? They get in our eyes. Humans are stupid. Humans should upgrade their operating system to Android. Oh, like data? 
Yeah, that's the joke. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Palamon. Or the or the Borg. Well, no, that's not Android. That's Cyborg. <clears throat> Man, this scene is just <laughs> handy. Are they like, trying to fill time or what? Stop are they trying doing? to stop trying to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the episode we're watching. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong about the like filling time thing. All right, so I mean, Spock. That's what we're doing. Filling time. <laughs> Spock makes this weird comment of like how Kirk is a very dynamic individual. Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to be looks, about. Everyone looks confused about that. Everyone, and as an audience member, I am too. Yes, I really don't know what that was supposed to reference. Yeah, everyone else, even Chapel's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume that. Uh... Nimoy just flubbed the line there, and they kept it for whatever reason. Because they couldn't afford any more time out on location to reshoot it. Yeah, they that, probably that had to refilm the scene with all the flies three or four times. We got one that he was covered in them. Well, that's why they had the fan on now. But that thing's gasoline powered, and it got expensive to run it. <laughs> well, they don't need the gasoline, gasoline fumes make them forget their lines. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even that's need why gasoline. Spock was laying down. This thing's like, I need to sit down, guys. I can't handle this. No, they just they just need a few grips out there and have some pedal powered fans. You know, just kill some uh, set hands and use that and save on the gas. I like how Kirk tries to be helpful, too. He's like, oh, there must be something to all these symbols. And Spock's like, yeah, you fucking think? <laughs> yes, I've spent the last seven weeks figuring this out. Thank you. Really, yeah, all I good. said was Kirk to Enterprise. <laughs> Ding dong. And that he falls down the stairs again. No, he doesn't. Yay, I love that his dead wife was just lying on the door, too, and it slides open. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, falls in his... That's handy to get her out of the way, right? Well, you can see how concerned he is about it right now. He's just like, meh. Uh, so with the door open, Kirk uh, orders Scotty to get the Enterprise to safety if the episode is not resolved in the next few minutes. Yeah, it, it, the problem is not resolved by the time the cre- by the time the producer credits show start showing up. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even know if they even follow those orders because the credits <laughs> in this one's weird, but we'll get to that. Um, so Kirk wants to know if Spock can bring the deflector online. Oh, and Spock warns, or no, Kirk warns Spock about touching the stuff on the control panel because that's what caused him to lose his memory in the first place. And Spock's just like, oh, you must have done it wrong. <laughs> yes. I like that Kirk's regained his memory but kept his medicine man headband on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's a well, title we... he's been bestowed. He's going to keep that. If you had the same tan line he had because of it, you wouldn't want to take it off. <laughs> 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 Um, so Spock starts explaining the particulars of bringing the deflector online, but, you know, Kirk's really had enough by this point, and just, he literally orders him, just press the right button. Right. Like, I've had it to hear the exposition. So, so, you know, Spock is We're running out this up. We're getting close to the end of runtime. Finish this episode up already. And we have an emotional final scene we still have to fit in here, too. Barely. So, Spock makes the point of saying that Kirk must have activated the panel in the wrong sequence, but then to bring the deflector online, he literally pushes one button. <laughs> yeah, literally. the thing is start with the right button, not the one that says zap you. <laughs> and why does this even have a function to erase your memory? <laughs> wrong lever! <laughs> <laughs> 
See, this seems like a thing where there could have been some expansion on that. Like, okay, so every time the medicine chief uses this, the beam hits him to take away his memory of what's inside. So that, like, you know, the person knows they have to go to the place and say the Actually, words. this is all explained in Star Trek Online. Scott, let's tell him about it. Is it really? <laughs> no. Oh. I just want to see if you'd say no. <laughs> no, I was just going to be more in- immediately incredulous. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like the, the ghost of Christmas future. Billions of years ago, there was a galactic federation. <laughs> <laughs> the first federation? There was the first federation. The great warrior Gromulax gathered his people. You know, it just goes on and on and on for hours. Well, anyway, the uh, asteroid has been pushed away from the planet by the deflector beam. And everything's right. fine now. All right, everyone's going to live forever now. Except yep. Miramani, who died of her injuries from stoning. She's Oops. only two days away from retirement. <laughs> 23rd century can't solve a stone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fix a rainy day. Rock yep. shit, that's too much, dude. <laughs> I mean, our, our our rock damage technology is just not where it should be. No, I can regrow a kidney with a pill. No, 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 they... <laughs> They have no. They have no way of uh, resolving uh, plot mandated injuries. Yeah, well, it's kind of like like in any video game where like the main characters can like revive as many times as they want. Then an NPC dies. You're like, well, what the fuck? I can revive as much as I want. What actually happened here is that while Kirk and Spock were doing that thing over there, McCoy Scanner thought she was pregnant. Like, no, we're not having a baby on the ship. <laughs> so we started cramming some Plan B in her mouth. They gave her too fucking much, and now it killed her too. <laughs> I don't think it was really plan B. It was more of a solution. The final solution. <laughs> uh, so when the... I mean, there's a, so I Cyclone play. B? Oh, well, okay then. <laughs> nice. I thought it was like a pair of running shoes, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, they couldn't even get the emotional scene in the episode. It has to be under the credits. I don't, that kind of makes it creepier and sadder, I think. And... It makes me wonder if Kirk is going to find life after love. <laughs> well, uh, you, you, you brought it back in the last moment. I, I really don't think scene. he is. <laughs> in the final scene is the Enterprise makes its way. You can see it leave a trail of tears. And glitter. <laughs> you know, one of you was... Over that. that was great. That was the perfect where you left it. Yeah. Edit my part out. That was awful. <laughs> It'd be much funnier without saying that. Uh, yeah, for once, Scott actually gets a good line in. And then I ruined it. Yeah. God damn me. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you are gonna... gay. <laughs> but up, up, but up, up. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz hands. Well, that was see that I, the actual the, the the main plot I liked. Okay, preservers they move species around to save endangered people. Uh, they put a defense system to protect the planet so that people can of live. Of course, the unmentioned thing is that's, that's why they the, is why they were endangered in the first place, which white folk. Yeah, yeah. So and then, you know the, the 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 thing was damaged, so they had to repair. So Spock had to press a button. Uh, you know the, the whole thing of deflecting the asteroid. No, they didn't time. have to repair it. They had to just turn it on. Yeah, it was as, just, like always. It was, it was Spock's assumption in the meantime that the 
asteroid deflector was malfunctioning. It was just missing the person to go in there and actually work the thing. Right, right. So my, my point is, as a basic science fiction story, I thought it was a very solid plot. It made sense. I like the dynamic of, of Spock and McCoy. Uh, the whole thing with Kirk was a little, little weird. Welcome to and the Kirk other thing. Uh, question: Did they teach uh, the people how to activate the thing again? No, they just left. I mean, as soon as like you know, Kurt got done crying over you know the dead body, they just beamed him up and they just left. You know, the thing is, even if they had wanted to like take someone aside and say, "Okay, the next time the sky darkens, here's what you need to do," at this point, nobody's going to listen to what any of them say. <laughs> you know, they've already uh, they've already decided Kirok is a false god, so they're not going to listen to him. They would be afraid of anybody else beaming down from the ship. They'd be suspicious and they fired of any their out- medicine man. And they'd be suspicious of any outsiders coming in, just like you know, walking out of the forest, being like, "Hey, just in case the sky starts falling again, you know." So basically, this this planet probably you know fucked. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's it's all because of what's his name's dad. Yeah, because he was really the yeah, Siroc or whatever. Slamek. Uh, Salish. Salish's Steve. dad. The medicine chief's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Basically he was the villain of this episode. Yes, because he would if he would have just taught his kid what to do when the time came, everything would have been fine. It's all true. It's all true. I don't know. My thing is uh, if this obelisk was so important, why didn't they like like a fence around it or something. <laughs> I mean, they don't have fence technology, or or like someone like with a tent who just is like there to like guard it or whatever. I don't know. I don't know from who. I mean, there's only twelve people on the planet, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that that's a, that's a family tree that doesn't fork. <laughs> okay, so Kirk's wife was supposed to be the daughter of the chief elder, also. Huh? Yeah. Um and so the chief elder's daughter always marries the medicine chief. So like you got to assume at some point there's going to be some overlap there. Oh yeah. Well, with between 12 people in a village, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they have clones. <laughs> that is oh, just Irish. <laughs> just because they all look the same doesn't mean they're clones. Yeah, we should infuse some Irish into this culture. <laughs> <laughs> By force, if necessary. <laughs> oh. uh, I got your pot of gold right here. And of course, the thing is, is that okay? Remember that everyone there was stone was also stoning the chief's daughter. Oh yeah, that's right. How are they going to deal with that crap? What's the chief going to feel about that? The chief threw the first stone. Wow, I guess he was without sin. No? All right. No, medicine chief or... No, old chief. Chief? Chief oh. chief. King chief. The chief of chiefs. The village <laughs> elder. Yeah, what an odd episode. But, I don't know, like I said, it wasn't nearly as cheesy or as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, they have the costumes stuff are very, like, cowboys and Indians, 60s-looking fucking Native Americans. I do like how they do call them Native Americans, though. I thought that was... I didn't expect that. No, they called them American Indians. American, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. American Indians. But even then, I was still kind of surprised. I figured they'd just call them Indians or something. I mean, I guess that's, you know, better than one would expect for the 60s. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, we have a much more lighthearted, fun episode next week, don't we? <laughs> Is Cher going to be in it? It's going to be a... Well, well, something, it's... something big, black, and oily is going to be in it. You took the words out of my mouth. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I've seen that video before. <laughs> <laughs> something with the texture of Sherry's hair is going to be in it. <laughs> yes, we're going to be watching Skin of Evil, and we may have special guests. May special. I Very like how, special. I like how each of you took a different uh, emphasis from that. Yeah. <laughs> we? <laughs> what do you mean, we? Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if none of us showed up. It's just him. <laughs> Sad trombone. Wah, wah, wah. Now, if that was the case, then I would just start assembling a podcast out of uh, voice samples from previous podcasts. <laughs> There's probably enough you could, like, ph- phonetically make me. Right. Yeah, especially when you say words separated. I was distracted by cats. <laughs> cats? Online cats. Cats? Ah. Internet cats. Yay, internet cats. So, if you do that, would you also have JD on? <laughs> yes. Use archive audio and have a JD and Scott podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a ton of fun. I had a job. I had an employee review uh, last week. So, when's your last day? Yeah, and it was remarked. <laughs> I didn't make a joke about my puns, and she had me write that down as a note. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I need to work on was my puns. Official <laughs> 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 documentation now. With the state of so California. what happens if your uh, puns have not improved by a certain oh, I, amount? I thought by work on it meant he needs to stop. <laughs> no, that's what it meant. Yeah, it was just, yeah. <laughs> you need to work on the puns. The government's officially been notified of your puns. <laughs> yes. your, your pun quality is substandard and needs to improve by your next review. Well, it just sucks because I'm dealing with, like, you know, government bureaucrats that don't really have a sense of humor or a sense of metaphor. <laughs> so puns are kind of uh, kind of weak on them. They're weak on everyone, Scott. <laughs> no, they're they're my main attack. They're my, they're my build-up attack. It's not very effective, Scott. God damn it! <laughs> oh well. Scott used splash. <laughs> is that another share reference? Yes. Actually, it is. Yeah. Yeah. See. You're welcome. You're welcome. Your face, won't get, your face won't get wet if you wear a mask. Uh... Beat me to it. There are no winners in this game. <laughs> I've known that for years. Uh, I could go for some mystic pizza for dinner, though. Tomorrow's weather is supposed to be sunny. That's always like sunny in Philadelphia. Like it doesn't run into a tree. <laughs> That's just the funniest image for me. Because it's the arms splayed out and the legs splayed out and ski straight up and down like a cartoon. And like behind the tree, like the mustache and the goofy smile. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, like Dale Earnhardt, he left the imprint of the mustache on the object he slammed his face into. Any NASCAR fans out there? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge crossover with NASCAR and a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> well, half of you are from the South, so whatever. Half? Oh. All? 
three. Yeah, quarters? you're from the south too. I'm from actually. The X- south. XV is the only one that's not from the south. No, bitch is from Chicago. <laughs> Chicago? No, no, I'm from the Chicago suburbs. Oh, so like that's why you're oh. white. North side. God, yeah, because that's just, where like Wayne's you're world was. A gang was. Sign like when in... you say that. <laughs> How do you make an N out of your fingers? Um, huh. That's a good question. Ow. Not Ow. Like that. No. <laughs> Ow. Wait, do you guys have like a video cam we don't know about? <laughs> what about like a lowercase N? It's not that hard. That's what she said. God damn it. <laughs> All the time. Speaking of that particular joke, oh my god, Triple X3. Was it your favorite? It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I highly recommend watching it because it is unbelievably dumb. Now, here's the thing I'm only going to watch movies that bad if I'm with you watching them with you. I'm not going to do it on my own. Okay, so haul your ass out here again. Well, right. I'm. I'm I'll, yeah. I'll set the scene here for you. Notice he's climbing up this giant radio tower in fuck all South America. And he plants some kind of device on there and let the guards see him. They're like, hey, you! And they start shooting machine guns at him. So he jumps off this like fucking Eiffel Tower antenna tower off a cliff. And he's wearing skis. Climbing? Yeah. So he, he jumps off this radio tower and starts skiing. Like water skiing down a jungle forest mountain, he falls like seventy feet right onto his legs and starts skiing right away. <laughs> then he starts jumping like through trees and like you know doing like s- skateboard tricks, like grinding on trees, like at eighty miles an hour through dense jungle. <laughs> it's amazingly stupid. You know, yeah, I, think they, he, I, I think they should be a snowboard ski down a highway and give someone a high five in their car as he skis past them. <laughs> oh my god! I think they need to be a snowboard instead of skis. No, it's way stupider with skis. <laughs> oh, okay. Snowboard you could almost buy. <laughs> almost. <laughs> skis like, do they really think this is cool and extreme, or are they making fun of this? <laughs> And the movie plays it so straight with how dumb it is. You never know if it's a satire or if they're actually that dumb. <laughs> Those are the best movies. Yeah, I gotta say, there, there is something to be said about that. You know, because is is it entertaining? Yes, it is very entertaining. Well, then there you go. That's that's the that's the point of of well of entertainment is to be entertained. So that's fine. See, like with Catwoman, it's never any question they thought they were making something good. It was just bullshit and trash. Ah. Uh. With Triple X Return of Xander Cage, I'm not certain what their intent was. Were they <laughs> but whatever it was, they got it perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they either perfectly fucked it up or they made the perfect satire of their own movie series. I don't know. <laughs> That's part of the fun, is not knowing. <laughs> yeah. It's the reason, you know, glory holes are so much fun. You just never know. Right. Sometimes it's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> It's a chick, and ew, who wants that? <laughs> you. I mean, I pee in these restrooms. I don't want a girl in there. <laughs> yeah, if I don't feel five o'clock shadow, then it's just not right. It's well, just on a blow job with that rug burn. <laughs> well, no, the five o'clock shadow still isn't proof. Well, yeah, that's true. Especially if you're in, like, Georgia. 